Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. safe travels love and appreciate them and their leadership uh love and appreciate my bishop and his wife uh they are just fantastic people and i'm not biased in saying it because i've heard other people say it they are pillars in the apostolic movement and uh, we are absolutely blessed um so love them love my parents uh everything that they have done for me supported me guided me um and you know, many things in life, obviously being engaged and everything like that. I've been asking a lot of questions lately. Like, hey, how do you do this? How do you, what, what do I need to do in order to get? So I appreciate their patience with me through the years. Um, and I am so thankful to have my beautiful bride to be. I uh, love her and thankful to have such a godly, uh, strong woman to be beside me and to be a fantastic example to these young young women, these young people. Um, couldn't think of a better person to have next to me. Uh, you, you'll see us sometimes. We'll just be sitting somewhere in the corner and we'll be jo- laughing and we'll be cracking up. I have Most of the time I have no idea what it's about. Well, she, she can literally look at me weird and I'll be dying laughing. Uh, so, you know, just have fun. You know, this, if you can't have fun, then what's the point? So uh, I love and appreciate her. Um, and I appreciate Zach and Malin doing media all this time. Um, They're about to have the baby soon. Love and appreciate them. I'm thankful. So thankful for them. And uh, his willingness to uh, teach some of the young people. Try to get some of them equipped so that way we can kind of maneuver around when when the baby comes and all of that. And uh, we'll get that sorted out. I don't want them to have to deal with juggling that either. So thankful for all of that. Thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, you could stand for the reading of the word. Uh, Acts 9 and 26 and 27. Get us started off. Said, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in a way in the way and that he had spoken to him and now how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Bishop, would you please pray? Amen. You may be seated. All right, so we have some pictures. This is just a thing now. I think I just get it honestly from Bishop. Uh, um, so we have some photos. We'll, we'll start with the, some, some photos here. Doesn't this look nice? This looks like a homey place, right? Uh, this is, I think this is a portion of a kitchen. This, this countertop, it looks like there's a sink. Uh, who wants to move in? 
Who wants to move in? No one? Okay. Next. I have no idea what this room is. I, I really don't. I just, I see piping. I'm assuming there's a sink somewhere. Uh, this looks good. Next. How about that? That's nice. I like that. I could see myself there. Um, next. See, this is a kitchen right here. This is a kitchen, and I can see myself cooking in it. It's really organized. I think it looks great. Uh, what else we got? We got some cars. Let's move some cars. Nice Chevelle here. Brother Freddie, you want to take this to the shop and work on it? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we got another, I think it's another Chevelle next. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay, we got a Fiat. Yeah, they look beautiful. They look beautiful. What else we got? A block of wood. I love blocks of wood, don't you? That's just what I want for Christmas. Um, what else we got? Another block of wood. What else we got? Once more, another block of wood. Um, so w people that know what they're doing with these type of things, like houses or Brother Fred with, with body work, uh, they look at this type of stuff. You have, you have wood. This is uh, my cousin Kevin Menace. He he's builds guitars. This is what he starts with. Okay, it's fantastic. Um, people that know what they're doing, what do they normally say when they see stuff like that? What, what are they? This is participation. I'm a youth pastor. I want participation. So Potential. Wow, you hit it right off the spot. Potential. That's what I was looking for. Um, they see potential. It may, it may not look like something, you know, because if, if it was me, a house I could see, I could see kind of the potential. For the car, I have no earthly idea where to even start. I'd have to go to Brother Freddie and, and, and uh, see, see, get a quote and see what happens there. I might be having to pull a loan out for that one. Um, and then for the guitar, I'd, I'd have to call Kevin and be like, you do this, I'll pay you, because I don't know anything about woodwork enough to do that. Uh, but the people that know how to do it, they're like, I see potential, I see, I see where that's going. So let's look at the after picks. I'm not going to leave you hanging. You can see the finished product. Let's start with the house. Yeah, yeah, nice living room. You got the kitchen area over there. Okay, next. Yeah, that looks nice. Okay, what else? Ooh, yeah, ooh. Uh, next. Okay, the kitchen looks better now. Yeah, that looks better. What else about the cars here? Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, those look better. Those look better. What about the guitars? Let's see that progress there. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's the stuff right there. A little more. Oh, yes. A little more. This one's my favorite. The next one's my favorite. Yes. I love that. Awesome. So people, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. So we're going to talk about inner potential in an unlikely shell. So you, you, you have the unlikely shells. Uh, you may not know what to do with it when it comes to house or, or anything like that. But <clears throat> we're going to talk about that. So what is potential? Uh, the Oxford definition uh, you know, I'm, I'm very prestigious. I got to go to Oxford for this here. Uh, as an adjective uh, is having or showing the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. Uh, as a noun, it is uh, qualities or abilities that may be developed and lead to future success or usefulness. 
So, so here we have in our main text, we have Saul. So we, we come upon Saul, who is soon going to become who? Young people, I'm putting you on the spot. Paul, yes, good job. Um, he is soon going to become Paul, and uh, he was famous for persecuting Christians, as many of us know. Uh, he is making a journey from Damascus, preaching Jesus. Hold up. Wait. I just, okay. So he is persecuting Christians. He's famous for that. Now he's making a journey from Damascus preaching Jesus. So we have to understand that a little bit. So let's go back into Acts 9, 9 and 1. We're going we're gonna to do a little bit of reading here. So it says, And Saul, yet breathing, uh, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they be men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Now, a light from heaven, when I think of this, I'm trying to think about what happened. I'm thinking about going to the eye doctor, okay? And you don't have any sunglasses. You're walking out. It's a sunny day like today, and you just got your eyes dilated. And, and what's, what is happening? Like... That's what I think of. That's why. So, so the light is shining from heaven. The Lord's shining the light, and and Saul's just like, "What's going on?" Um, that's what I think of. That's how my brain works. But um, uh, so Saul fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, "Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me?" And he said, "Who art thou, Lord?" And the Lord said, "I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks." And he, trembled, he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. So they're, they're, not, they're hearing God, but they don't, see, they don't see anything. And then Saul arose from the earth, uh, when, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. Uh, but they led him by the hand uh, and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. So Saul is going about his merry way. He has the papers of permission from the high priests to go into Damascus and bind anyone that is going to be preaching Jesus, talking about Jesus. He's sending them back to Jerusalem bound. Um, so... And then he encounters God, and God's like, hey, how's it going? You're going to be blind now. Um, and so he has this encounter, and he's blinded. Uh, he asks God what he's supposed to do, and God says, go into the city. You, you'll find out what you're going to do, okay? Go to the city. Um, so now we have Saul blinded, being led into the city, and, and most by this point, most people by this point, especially in that day, what would they say? Well, there you go, Saul. That's what you deserved. That's what you deserved. You got it. You got it. You got what you deserved. Uh-huh. That's right. But let's continue on. So Acts 9 and 10 says, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And he and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and acquire 
inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and he hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem, and here he hath authority from the chief chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. So here Ananias is, and he The Lord comes to him in a vision telling him to find this man named Saul, Saul of Tarsus. He's saying, who is well known for killing Christians. And obviously Ananias has heard it because he's like, he's like, do you know? Do you know? He's he's telling him to go find him and put his hands on him so he might receive his sight. Um, And Ananias is processing all of this. And the Lord (laughs) and uh, what the Lord has said. And the first thing out of his mouth is uh, he's like, you know what evil he's done? You know, do you know uh, that he has the authority to bind your people? Um, and the message Bible says in, in 13 and 14, it says, Ananias protested. Master, you can't be serious. Everybody's talking about this man and the terrible things he's been doing. His reign of terror against your people in Jerusalem. And now he's shown up here with the papers from the chief priests that give him license to do the same to us. So basically, Ananias is like, I hear what you're saying, God. I hear what you're saying, but you're crazy. You're crazy, okay? Uh, Have you heard what, like, he's talking to God. Have you heard the stuff that he's been doing? I don't know if you've been around, but, you know, I mean, uh, I know you're all divine and everything, but maybe you might have taken a nap somewhere. Like, uh, no. Uh, So, like, God doesn't know. So... This is where you have to understand that even someone like Ananias who responds with a yes, Lord, might voice objections to a calling that made no human sense. That's the thing. Humans don't see the potential that God sees. Uh, We will think, oh, well, this or that happened to them, and that's what they deserved, right? That's what they deserved. I mean, you remember what they did? You remember such and such when they did so and so, da, 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 and they go on, and the list goes on. But here's the deal. Ananias, he was making these claims based off of what? He was based off, he didn't know Saul. He didn't know Saul at all. He did it all based off of Saul's bad reputation. That's it. That's all he did it. That's all he knew. And so he didn't see any potential because all he knew was, oh, this guy persecutes Christians and he's coming here to bind us. God, are you sure you really want to do this? Um, And so just because there are people that come from a bad past or have made bad decisions, uh, we feel like we can get up on our little high horse and say, well, that's what they deserve. That's they got what they deserve. You remember when they did such and such, you know, shame on us for thinking that we are able to play God and decide who has potential and who doesn't. Maybe someone should talk to us and say, like Jesus said to the people that wanted to stone the woman that committed adultery, you without sin, why don't you throw the first stone? People mess up. Newsflash. People make mistakes. But if we as a church aren't able to see the potential in those people like God does, then why would they have a desire to come in through these doors? Why would they have a desire to be a part of the church? It's time that we take a stand and understand that we need to see through God's eyes for potential. 
Not our own, because all we're going to see is, is what their past, what their reputation is. So now is time for God's reply to Ananias in verse 15. It says, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear thy name, bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him, show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So basically God's saying to Ananias, first off, listen, listen to me. And don't question me. Saul is a chosen vessel. It may seem crazy, but Saul is a chosen vessel. Go do what I ask you. And so let's walk. I'm not going to go through it. You can put them up on if you want. But 17 through 25, we'll walk through it. So starting in verse 17, we have Ananias. And he went and did what the Lord said. Uh, Saul received his sight, and he was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, continuing in verses 19 and 20, he stayed in Damascus for days more than likely to become accustomed to Christianity, even as he was preaching. So all I can think of, if this happened in our modern day, is that we have a new convert, has a calling to preach, and we have people sitting here, and they're just, they are got their arms crossed, and they're like, who does he think he is? Do you remember what he was doing? You remember he was coming here to bind us. How dare he? Shame on us. Shame on us. So he is, and that's, that's not an easy task too because he's a new convert. He wasn't taught how to preach. He wasn't, that, that should tell you right there that that was the will of God because he didn't know how to preach at all. He's coming to persecute. He's a new convert. He just got baptized, received the Holy Ghost. He's grasping all of Christianity while preaching Jesus. So just think about that. If you feel inadequate uh, to do something that God's called you to do, he will equip you if you'll allow him. It takes that allowing because if you just think, oh, well, I have to have it all together before I do my calling. No, that's not the case. It takes, okay, yes, Lord, what do I need to do? What are you going to give me? What tools do I need? Who do I need to talk to? Do I need to go to my pastor? Do I need to do this? It takes that want and that need, that burning fire of that call. So just days before he was, he was coming to persecute, he had been taught. To, he hadn't been taught to preach, and he was just a new convert preaching Jesus. God equipped him. As time went by, we get to verse 23, where the Jews didn't believe in Saul, didn't believe him. And they, what were they doing? They were plotting to kill him. And so that, again, if we're going in the modern day, I think there's another, there's another point of people sitting here, and they are plotting to spiritually kill someone. Like, let's spread some gossip about what they did in their past, even though they just had a divine appointment with God and just got called. But do you remember what they did out there? If they had a divine appointment in here, in the house of God, and they are called, whatever happened out there doesn't matter anymore. So how about instead of being cynical, you get on your knees and be spiritual? God will open your eyes if you'll be humble enough to allow him. 
Another thing is Saul didn't need to be reminded of the stuff that he had done. He knew what he had done. He had to deal with that himself. Just like people come into the house of God, they don't need to be reminded of their past. Okay, if they come in and they're a new convert, they need to be loved. They need to be nurtured. They need the people to see the potential in them. They need to be able to be loved. Maybe their past and their story is what reaches other people to come to the Lord. So this brings us to our, our main text, verses 26 and 27. Saul comes to Jerusalem, okay? He just came from Damascus. They were plotting to kill him. He had to sneak out his disciples, put him in a basket, get down through a hole in a wall, okay? So he is hoping that he gets received by the disciples, considering all the terrible things he had done. He knows what he's done, and he's worried that he's not going to be received. And why would he feel received when he just came from Damascus and they're plotting to kill him? Like, yeah, I mean, yes, there were people that... They, they were amazed. They're like, look at what God has done. He was coming here to persecute, and now he is a Christian himself, and he's preaching Jesus. But then there's those others like, how dare he? And so there's two sides of the coin, but those negative voices get so loud. They get so loud. And so Paul's worried, Paul, or Saul, Saul, Paul, whatever. Uh, he's worried. And, but then there was Barnabas. Right. There's Barnabas. He took him in and brought him to the apostles and he told them how he preached boldly in Damascus. The message Bible states it as he laid his life on the line with bold preaching in Jesus name. And I, I think that's very accurate. He laid his life on the line. They were plotting to kill him. Uh, you can't get any worse than that right there. So Saul here is Saul comes with the position of walking boldly. And then he's being bold again. He, he has to come in hopes that the disciples would receive him. So think about how awkward that would be. He's coming to the disciples. That's, like, that's kind of like your school or work bully, right? And they've, been, they've just terrorized your life for years, and you have to receive them. I'm not saying it's easy. Not saying it's easy, but it's a big task. But you have to understand that God created inner potential in an unlikely shell like Saul. So now let's correlate this and let's go to 1 Samuel 16 and 7. 1 Samuel 16 and 7. I'm going to take a drink. It says, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So here, this verse, we have Samuel. He is going to anoint a king. And so King Saul, uh, this cracks me up every time I think about this, because we've done this before in youth class. We talked about King Saul and David. And uh, if anyone knows anything about actors or anything like that, I asked them what actor they would correlate King Saul as. And so they did, I should have got pictures together, but I didn't. Um, they did, uh, King Saul is Terry Crews, okay? Terry Crews, a big guy, really buff, manly man, okay? And then we, had, we, have, we have David over here. He's, he's uh, probably about 5'10", scrawny little Tom Holland guy that plays Spider-Man, okay? That's, that's not me. They all, made, they all came up with that, and I loved it. It was hilarious. Um, and so, because all I can think about is when, when Saul is going to hunt David is Terry Crews hunting down Tom Holland. That's all I can think about. Um, <clears throat> so, 
Fantastic correlation. So from the human perspective, King Saul, he obviously needs the anointing on him. Okay? Uh, he, he, is, he is the stature. He has the, he has the poise. And he should be anointed king. But God's telling Samuel, he said, King Saul may have a favorable countenance and stature, but he's still not worthy to be king. So for God here, it's coming down to image or integrity. Because just because there's someone that looks absolutely perfect for the job, from our perspective, there may be someone standing on the sidelines that we don't think is capable we don't think is worthy. We don't think that they have potential to do anything because, of, oh, well, you remember what they did. They can't do that. They can't do God's not going to call them. Uh, but God has other plans. <clears throat> Heart in this verse here is, uh, in the Hebrew, it's labe. Uh, I apologize if I butchered that. Um, this doesn't refer to the physical organ, uh, but the deep inner being. So uh, who... Uh, the person is at their core. Um, and so this is important. This is about integrity. It's not about image. Uh, within this story of Samuel anointing a king, God directs him towards David. Some sources say that David was probably around the ages of 16 through 19, somewhere around there. And here God chooses a very unlikely shell of a person. Um, but he had a purpose. He had a potential. And, and David was servant to King Saul. Talk about awkward. Um, Saul may have been the appointed one, but David was the anointed one. Uh, with all of this, you have David who has to be has to be patient, and he can't say anything about his his anointing. And then you have Saul who's hunting him down for years, and he doesn't even become king until he's thirty. Even if it was if he was nineteen, that's still that's still eleven years. So. Let's think about all of those years that, that you were anointed king and there was nothing you could do. That is the thing. God may plant something in your life. He may start something uh, that doesn't happen days, months, years, decades later until it comes to fruition. But just because some people tell you that you're an unlikely, just because some people just, they're all naysayers and they're saying, well, you can't do this, you've done, you've done this, such and such, or you've, you've come from this, that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a purpose, doesn't have a plan on your life, and you have that potential, and God has a purpose for why you're here. Not only is there an issue here with accepting those that have made mistakes with bad past to be called, but we also have to do better at accepting the call on our young people. Uh, me as a youth pastor later down the road, if I ever want anything, if there is ever anything said about me, I just want it to be said that I encourage them to help find their calling and I listen to them and help them. Um, I don't want it to be said that I shut them down, uh, that, that if they wanted to do something in the church or they felt, felt a call in their life and, um, I didn't, I wasn't there for them and I didn't help them understand it and didn't help guide them in the right direction. There are kids, there are teenagers that have grown up and they had a call in their life to be a missionary, to be a pastor, fill in the blank, and they have been ignored and told that they're too young or that they have been discouraged by people to pursue what they feel in their heart and they lose faith in themselves. 
And maybe even they feel like they don't have a calling because so many people say, well, you're too young or that's later down the road. And and that, that kind of falls to the wayside and they feel they don't feel confident in themselves. And we, we cause that. And and yeah, God will use who he wants. And if they give them a drive enough, they, they'll do it. But, you know, it's kind of difficult to try to do something when you're being tore down. Uh, all I can say is any circumstances, whether young, old, or issues with, with your past and all of that is, look at David. What did David do when he got discouraged? He encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes, I hope it never happens, but sometimes we're alone and all we have is God. And sometimes you just need to encourage yourself in the Lord. It's difficult. It's not easy. But at the end of the day, God's got your back. So here in this verse in Samuel, we have the concept of image and integrity. Although the thought can be drawn about Barnabas, he had godly faith in Saul. He took him in and Saul thought no one was going to receive him. Saul thought, I'm going to come here. They are going to want to kill me as well, maybe. And I think Barnabas maybe felt inclined that Saul's integrity had changed, that his heart was different. Because all the other disciples, they're looking, at, they're looking at the image of Saul, and they're like, this is still the man that is persecuted. This is still the man. He's deceitful. Maybe this is all, uh, you know, even though he was baptized and received the Holy Ghost, um, you know, that, that's, that's a really good deceit if so. But um, no, the, he, they're just looking at that, and they're not looking at his integrity. And Barnabas is like, I see that, but what's his heart like? What is his heart like? He's, seeing, he's trying to see like God sees, and he's like, what's the potential? Where is he going? He has a call on his life. He, he preached boldly at Damascus. He sh- if, he was, if he was messing around and people were plotting to kill him, he wouldn't have done anything like that and put his life on the line. Barnabas means son of encouragement. He saw potential in Saul like God does. God sees our heart. And if, if we don't look or seem like the person for the job, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. If God's called us, that is it. Final, you can print it. You can put it in the stone, okay? He saw potential and saw, and so did God. And if that shell is willing, if we are willing, God can take us, shape us into what he has planned, just like people that work on the houses, and I see potential in that, or just like the cars or the, the guitars, anything like that, they see this shell. It may not look pretty. It may have scars and issues and pasts, but in the end of the day, they're like, this can become something. And that's what God sees. He's, you may not be pretty. You may not have everything together. You may just be a new convert, but God's like, There's something there that I can use. There's something there that I can mold into something more that we can use to glorify the kingdom, my kingdom. And he's he's like, you have a story. People going to go against you on your story and say, well, that's your past. You shouldn't talk about it. Well, maybe you should talk about it. Maybe you should use it to glorify the kingdom and bring people in. Maybe the drug addict should bring in people that they did drugs with, right? Because they're going to be like, well, I know where you've been and I know it's difficult, but think about this. This is where I came from. Everyone has that story that they can bring people in. 
So God may send Barnabas. I hope he does. When people are saying that it won't happen, when because of your age, because of the things you've done, your past, pray for a Barnabas. Musicians can come. All of this not only goes for all of us in, in, in a room here, but those that we encounter every day, they have a purpose for their life. And if we can be like a Barnabas and have godly faith in people, if we can see with God's eyes and see the potential in those unlikely cells, we can bring them in. We can bring them in with, with godly faith in them and potential then then there's there's nothing else that could come against it right because if they have potential you see that potential you bring them in then hold on to that encourage them be a barnabas these these altars are open you can stand um it if you feel like you've been called if you if you feel unlikely uh, but you have a call in your life come Encourage yourself in the Lord. Ask God to equip you. Um, if there's anyone that feels like being a Barnabas, being a son of encouragement, ask God to open your eyes day to day to see what God sees, see the potential in others in which you could witness to others, to bring others in, to be able to expand the kingdom. Pray over those that you encounter every day, that their potential in the Lord could be shown to you, and that your, your co-workers, your bosses, your teachers, so on. Pray that they could come to the Lord and that the Lord could use their potential. You may not know what the potential is, but God does. And if we could have a Barnabas spirit, then there would be, we could fill these pews. If we could see as God sees and stop seeing who they are as the image and start seeing the integrity and see what God sees in us, there's something there. There's something that could happen. Amen. If we could all just pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.